Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Here's Pastor Willie Taylor. Today, as Laura said, we're going to start a new series. And we're going to talk about the demonstration of our gratitude. The demonstration of our gratitude. Now, we just celebrated Valentine's Day yesterday. But I want to concentrate on going deeper in our expression of our love relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what I want to um, really talk about in this particular series. It's going to take a lot of different turns. We'll be talking about uh, married life. We'll be talking about single life. We'll be talking about different things. Uh, But it's all going to stem from this message. This is the foundation message that's going to help us, I believe, to do that. Should my love be demonstrated? Should my love for my wife whenever be demonstrated? Or should it just be lip service? Let's look in Matthew, if you'll turn to The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 15. Let's start there. I'm going to leave this right here for the next person. It comes up. When some Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. And he answered and said to them, Why do you yourselves transgress the commandment of God for the sake of your traditions? For God said, Honor your father and mother, and he who speaks evil of father or mother is to be put to death. But you say, whoever says to his father and mother, whatever I have, whatever I have that would help you has been given to God. He is not to honor his father or his mother. And by this, you invalidated the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites, rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrine the precepts of men. And this was interesting because it was given to the, talking to the Pharisees, the religious group, and if you were to ask them, do you love God? You know and I know they would say, I mean, get a, get a life. Of course we love God. We love, love God by what we do. We show, we demonstrate that we love God. So they thought they were doing that. But actually, they were demonstrating that they love their traditions more than they love God. So what we have to do, we know that they, they did love God in a way, because they wouldn't have been doing all the things they were doing if they didn't 
love God to, a, to an extent. But see, love can become, or doing can become just religious. It, it, it can become just a tradition. It can become just something that you're doing because you've been doing it all your life. This is, this is what you do. And Jesus is trying to say, no, you have to know the Father because the Father, what the Father meant when he said this, this is what he meant. You're taking what he meant, and you're, you're, you're changing what he meant. I said, uh, to honor your father and mother. That's what God said. But you're saying the father and mother is not as important as your love for money and what you wanted to do with, with people's money. You can't tell a person that, uh, you know, give your money to the church and then neglect your father and your mother. In their older age, they have needs of things, but you have already uh, told people to dedicate it to the temple, and they wouldn't have to help their mother and father. They were doing all sorts of things. They were praying out in the open, um, you know, wanting people to, to think they were religious and, and, and holy because of their many prayers. All these things were going on, but he called them hypocrites because hypocrites are just actors. That's all hypocrites are. They're actors. They're acting one way, but they're really not that way. Isn't that, way, isn't that the way it is when you go to a theater to see a play? When, uh, you know, you can go to Liberty, you can go to um, Randolph College, you can go to L.C. Most of those colleges have, have plays they put on. You can, you can look at TV, you can go to, to a theater to see a movie. They have actors. Those people who are acting that part are not really that person they're acting. Is that correct? They're not that person. And so that's what Jesus called the Pharisees. You're really not that person you said you are. You're really not that lover of God that you said. And I want us to demonstrate our love in a godly way, in, in, the, in, the, in the meaning of what God wants us to demonstrate it in, in our love for him. That's what I want. Because nobody wants a valentine that's a valentine one time a year. February 14th. It might be Saturday this year, which it was, but next year it's going to be on what? Sunday. And then it's going to go to Monday, Tuesday. How many ladies want their valentine, their husband, their sweetheart, their significant other to be nice to them one day a year? Valentine's Day. Nobody wants that. God doesn't want that either, does he? He doesn't want us to demonstrate our love for him when we have a need only or when we're in church only. Uh, the song that one of them was singing uh, today was, uh, Oh, my soul, my soul must sing. Uh, we really want our soul to be singing to God because we, are, we have gratitude for what he's done, don't we? That's what we want. God demonstrated his love for us. He didn't just say, I love you. He demonstrated that love. And I'm not giving men permission by what I'm saying to never say you love your mate. So don't think I'm saying that, that you don't ever tell your, your, your wife you love me. And say, well, the pastor said, you don't do it in lip service. You do it in what you do. You demonstrate it. So I go out and work, so therefore, you know I love you. I don't have to say it. No, no, we don't want to do it. go there. We want to do both, don't we? We want to 
tell them that we love them, but we also want to demonstrate it, don't we? All right. That's what we want. So all the women, they like me now. Yay! Okay. <laughs> now, what are we talking about in demonstration of this love? God, isn't that what it starts off? For God so loved the world. That's John 3.16, isn't it? For God so loved the world that he did what? Right. He didn't just say, I love you. He also demonstrated that love. For God so loved the world that he gave, that's a demonstration, his only begotten son. Isn't it? That whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. John 3.16. In, in the Gospel of John, Chapter 14, verse 15, he says, if you love me, so he's now saying something. He wants us to demonstrate that, doesn't he? If you love me, you will keep my commandment. That's what he says. That's what he says. If you love me, I want you to demonstrate it. That's what he said. I want you to demonstrate this love by keeping my commandments. It's not, no good to say you love me and then don't keep my commands. Is that correct? No good at all. If you love me, keep. I want you to do something. Keep my commands. That's what I want you to do. Let's, let's turn to Romans chapter 5. Let's go there. God wants a demonstration. That's what he wants. A demonstration of our gratitude. That's what he wants. Let's start in verse 5. Romans 5, 5. And hope does not disappoint, speaking of something said above, because the love of God has been poured out, has been shed abroad, the King James says, has been given generously The love of God has been given generously. It has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For while we were still helpless, God died for the ungodly. While we were still helpless, couldn't do anything for ourselves, helpless, couldn't help, God died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for the righteous man. Hardly. Though perhaps for a good man someone would dare even to die. But God, the next word is important in the New King James, in the New International Verse. What does it say? God demonstrates. God demonstrates. God wants us to demonstrate also. God demonstrates, and we want to be like Jesus, don't we? We want to be like our Father. God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, one could hardly die for a right man, right? A righteous man? Or a good man, somebody might, he might just die. But for a sinner, how many people really want to sign up to die for sinners? Nobody wants to sign up for that. 
It says that God did, though. He demonstrated his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners. He could say, while Willie Taylor was yet a sinner, Jesus Christ died for him. You can put your name in there. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. And the wrath of God is going to come against all, all disobedient uh, uh, those who haven't given their life to Jesus Christ. And we were, there, we were there at one time. But we were saved from the wrath of God because it's through Jesus Christ, through his blood that he shed on, on Calvary. We were justified. We were forgiven. We were uh, put back in right standing with God just as if we had not sinned. His blood washed away our sins. Isn't that good news? I mean, there's no way I could have paid for my sins. None. Zilch. Sinner. The, 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 the worst of sinners, that was me, but that Christ died for me, and now I have the righteousness of God because Jesus Christ exchanged my sinfulness for his righteousness by dying for me and me giving my life to him. And you've done the same thing. It says, for while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only this, but we also exult in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Should we be grateful to God? How grateful should we be to God for what he's done for us? Should we demonstrate this gratefulness? See, that's, that, that's, the, that's what we're talking about now. We're, we're laying a foundation for our gratitude. That's what we're doing. Laying a foundation for our gratitude. We are grateful, Father, for what you have done for us. You gave your only begotten Son that whosoever believe him should not perish but have everlasting life. And you saw fit to choose me. That's what we all can say. Because we didn't choose him. He chose us. We love him because he first loved us. See, that, that, that's the gospel. The gospel is not something that, oh, I did this and I did this. You know, I have sense enough to accept Jesus Christ. I couldn't accept Jesus Christ if he hadn't uh, given me the faith to do that. Couldn't, couldn't do anything. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Well, I think I want to go to... Chapter 2, verse 4. Chapter 2, verse 4. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. Let's go there. But God, being rich in mercy, are we glad that God showed mercy to us? He's rich in mercy. But God being rich in mercy because of his great love, which he loved us. How do you know that God loved you? How do you know what, how do you know that God loved you? How do you know that he loved you? How do you know that? He demonstrated, didn't he? 
He demonstrated it. We read that. He demonstrated his great love for us by sending Jesus Christ, God, in flesh. And what did he do? Die for our sins. That's what it says. Now, even when we were dead in our transgressions, verse 5 says, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Jesus Christ. For by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Is a gift something that you pay for or a gift something is given to you? It's given. It's given. We didn't earn it. Not as a result of works. So nothing we could do, nothing we have done to get this surpassing grace and mercy which he bestowed upon us, nothing we have done. We didn't deserve it. We were enemies with God. We were sinners, and we should have been nailed to the cross ourselves for our sins because any sinner should be punished themselves. So all mankind should have been punished because of Adam's sin. But yet, he forgives our sins and he washes it away. Wow. What great love. What great love. See, I think that we need to move this message that I'm giving from our head to our heart. Now, heart, of course, is not the tick, 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 thump, thump, thump thing, but it's our core, our inner being. Our, it comprises also our will, our emotions, our intellect, all those type of things. But we have to move it to a place where it's in the core of our being. It's in the, like somebody said, let's get to the heart of the matter. Let's get to the, to the real thing. Well, the, the heart of things is the core of things. I want this message to get to the marrow of my bones. I want it to get to, the, to every single uh, cell in my body. I want it to, to just saturate me, this message. Because this message, if I really get it in me and, 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 and really believe me now, I've been with this message longer than you have because God gave it to me to give. So that means I've been toiling with this thing for a while. And I said, God, this, I need this. I need this because it's going to affect every single thing I do, every single thing I say from now on. And I thought I had this thing, but I did have it. And I do have it in my brain. And I could ask you the same thing. I could ask you, does God love you? Everybody in here say, yes, yes, God loves me. 
How much does he love me? He loved me so much that he gave his only begotten son for me. We all know that, don't we? I say, I can ask, do you have gratitude? Yes. Do you show gratitude? You say, yes. How do you show gratitude? Many ways, right? We all do, don't we? God is asking us to go deeper because we all do that. We all do it. We all do it. But I'm saying that God wants me to go deeper. He wants you to go deeper in that demonstration because he wants us to go so deep that it's going to affect the things that you don't want it to affect. That's what I'm talking about. See, I, I, I know the message. I know what the word says. But the word is not affecting some of my life that I want it to affect. Yet. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's, it's, not, it's not affecting every word I say. It's not affecting everything I do. Do you, you understand what I'm saying? And I believe that God wants this to affect every single thing we say. And every single thing we do. Every single thing we see. Every place we go. Right? Am I correct now? Because I, I believe that Jesus, when he walked the earth, and, I mean, I know it, because he had a sinless walk, didn't he? He didn't sin, did he? In this world. I mean, he, he, he faced some of the same temptations that we face today. He faced some, some of the same temptations. Because he in categories, I mean, the same temptations. Yet without sin. He's been tempted in all cases, yet without sin. Will we agree that that is the word of God? That's the word of God. So it's true. I want it to affect me. That's what I want it to do. Now let's go a little bit further. Because let's go to the, the, the heart of this thing here. Is that my gratitude... I want it to be because I've been rooted and built up in him. Let's go to Colossians. Let's go there. Uh, Colossians uh, chapter 2. And in Colossians chapter 2, we'll start in verse 7. It says here, Having been firmly now, I'm talking about firmly, when something is firm, is it loose? Is it shaky? No. It's firm. It's firm. It's firm. Having been firmly rooted. See, it's not like the, like, like the word that fell on the rocky ground because, see, it, it, the roots didn't go deep, did it? And when, when the persecution and stuff came, it kind of withered right on the way, didn't it? Even though the word was, was received with joy. It didn't last. It didn't last. It wasn't rooted deep enough. God is saying he wants us to be firmly, firmly rooted in those roots to go deep. Then he says, and now being built up. So it's like, 
it's like changing analysis, analogies here. We, we're talking about something rooted is like a plant. Something built on is like a building from a foundation. So he's saying here, I want you to be rooted deep, and I, I, want, I want you to be built up from that foundation, from that root. I want you to be built up in him, in him. And establish now, establish, establish. I want you to be established in your faith. Just as you were instructed. Oh, these three words. That's what I'm talking about. Overflowing. When something is overflowing, it's not just full, is it? Hmm? Overflowing means that it got so full it went past full, didn't it? It went past full to where it got to the point where it just starts spilling over. That's what he wants. He wants us to be overflowing with gratitude. That's what he wants. Overflowing with gratitude. With gratitude. And my overflowing with gratitude will cause a greater demonstration of that gratitude because it's going to spill over in anything that's around that container that's overflowing is going to get some of what was in it on it. Is that correct? If it's sitting on a counter, if it's a glass, if you pour the glass to where it's full and you keep pouring, it's going to overflow on the counter. If it's on the, and if you keep pouring, it's going to get on the floor. Is that correct? Listen to what it says in verse 13. When you were dead in your transgressions, when was that? That was before we were born again. Is that correct? Is before we gave our lives to Jesus Christ. We were in our transgressions, weren't we? We were dead in our transgressions. We weren't alive in Christ. We were dead in our transgressions. That's the state of every single person born into this, this world. They are dead in their trespasses. Trespasses, and it says here, and the uncircumcision of your flesh. He made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all, all, not some, all our transgressions. How many transgressions has God forgiven you of? How many? All. All. Well, suppose you've done something pretty bad. I mean, you did something pretty bad. When you gave your life to Jesus Christ, how much did he forgive you of? All. All your trespasses. All your trespasses. All your trespasses. When was this done? Let me, let me ask you. When did Jesus Christ die for our sins? Was it when you sinned yesterday? When you sinned the day before yesterday? When did he die for our sins? On the cross. That's been over 2,000 years ago, hasn't it? Right? And I don't think 
anyone in here was living at that time. So that means that before we were yet born, Christ died for our sins. Isn't that true? Before we were even born, Christ died for our sins. Isn't that something? This is, this, I mean, this is terrific to me. Is that he had me in his mind before I was even born. And he died for me. Now, that's scripture, isn't it? Oh, it's scripture. It is scripture. Listen to what it says. Having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. And when was that done? Over 2,000 years ago. Well, that means that if he paid for it beforehand, that means that if I happen to make a mistake now, is it paid for if I'm in Christ? Suppose I make a mistake when we're eating tacos and I eat too many and overeat, and I know that the Holy Spirit told me not to eat all that food, but I ate it anyway. And that's sin, isn't it? Just, you know, if you don't do what the Holy Spirit tells you to do, and you know you're sin. I mean, you know, I mean, it's... Well, you think, you think, if I said, Father, forgive me, you think he'll forgive me? When was it paid for, though? On the cross. Does that give me a license to overeat? No, it doesn't, does it? Matter of fact, I'm, I'm not going to continue in sin because the scripture tells me, what does the scripture tell me? Come on, now, you know the scripture. What does it say? You cannot continue to sin if his seed is in you. You can't continue to sin. Impossible. First John. Impossible. Impossible. Because if you practice sin, you continue with practicing sin, you never knew him. Never knew him. And you better give your life to Jesus Christ because you might think you're saved, but you're not. If you continue in sin and you practice sin, and that's what just the word tells me. That's what the word tells me. So you can say, oh, yes, I'm a Christian. I just continue to sin, and God, he forgave me 2,000 years ago, so I just keep asking to forgive me. I just keep asking, keep asking, keep asking. And as all the year go by, two years, three years, four years, five years, ten years, thirty years, forty years, fifty years, and then I die. Now, I joined church. I know I got baptized, and, uh, you know, I know all the Christianese. Let me tell you something. You better... Read the Bible. Because to read the Bible doesn't go that way. It really doesn't. People are going to say, Lord, Lord, you know, haven't I done this in your name? Haven't I done this in your name? He said, I never knew you. You work us of iniquity. Uh, um, there's so many scriptures in here that I want to make that clear because I, uh, that wasn't even my notes, but I'm, I want to make it clear because as I'm talking to you, some may think that, oh, he's 
saying that you can just sin because your sin was, you know, nailed to the cross way before that, so you can just sin and keep sinning and keep sinning. Now, anybody know that anybody who got good sense wouldn't be standing up here teaching that? Is that correct? And I think I have a little bit of sense, you know, just a little bit. Uh, that's why I teach the word, because it's not dealing with me, it's dealing with the word of God. So therefore, he has canceled our sins. He has canceled. That means that I'm, I'm grateful. I am so grateful to Jesus Christ for what he's done. Let's turn to Colossians chapter 3. Let's turn over just a little bit. And it says here in, in verse 1, Therefore, if you have been raised with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at, your right, at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things of the earth, for you have died and your life is hidden in Christ, in God. Now, what is that telling me? That I died when Jesus was nailed to the cross and I accept Jesus Christ. That means I died with him and I'm also risen with him. Therefore, my life is hid with Christ in God. I am no longer my own. Even though I live, I'm dead. Right? Galatians 2.20. So, so the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who died for me, who loves me. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Therefore, consider the members of your, your earthly body as dead. Oh, my goodness. Consider, consider, that word consider means to mortify. Therefore, mortify the members of your body. And anybody who deals with any kind of home repair, any kind of job that you're going to put brick upon brick and you don't want those bricks to move, you put something in between those bricks called what? Mortar. You have mortified those bricks. That brick is not going to move in a normal fashion. It's not going to move. This is abnormal. It's not going to move. And that's what he says. I want you to mortify the members of your body as dead, then it tells you what you're dead to. Immorality, impurity, passion, it's like lust, evil desire, greed, which amounts to idolatry. Now, do you get the picture that, yes, he paid for our sins, but no, he's not giving no one no license to sin, is he? We're supposed to be dead to immorality, dead to uh, uh impure to dead to things, not alive and doing them. We're not supposed to be doing that. Verse 6, for it is because of these things, isn't that? It is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of what? Who? Disobedience. So it doesn't give anybody no license to do anything but serve God. And in them, you also once walked when you were living in them. But now, you also put them all aside. What do we put aside? Let's name that first one, because I, I don't think we think that in the, that's in the Bible. 
What does it say? Anger. How many people get angry? What does it say do? Put it aside. Put it aside. Wrath, malice, slander, abusive speech from your mouth. Christians cursing? Come on. Come on. Come on, please. Do not lie to one another. Lie? Please. Since you have laid aside your old self with his evil practices. Laid aside means to put off. You, 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 you took those clothes off. You don't wear those old things anymore. And you have put on new, a new self which is being renewed in the true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. A renewal in which there is no distinction between the Greek or the Jew or the uh, circumcision or uncircumcised or the barbarian or the Scythian or the slave or the free man, but Christ is all in and in all. So, so, he wants our demonstration to be of difference than what it used to be. Therefore, or so, as those who have been chosen of God, did I say that, that you didn't choose God? God chose us, didn't he? So it says here, you who are chosen of God, <laughs> Holy and compassion of holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, also you should do to them. That's what God wants us to demonstrate. I'm going to break this scripture down here, these two scriptures down next week, because in our demonstration of our love for Christ, our demonstration of our gratitude, I think that's where relationships uh, fail. I really do. I think that our relationships fail with one another because of our failure to demonstrate our gratitude for the foundation what God wants us to do. He wants us to be so grateful for him demonstrating his love towards us that we turn around and demonstrate our love for him by being obedient to what he's asked us to do. And it changes relationships. I'm going to tell you. It changes relationships. Because it's no longer about me and mine is about him and his. And when we get to that point, it changes the way we, we respond to each other. It changes the way we do church. Because when I say the way we do church, we know the church is the call-out assembly. Is that correct? We are the church. We call ourselves Cornerstone 
But it doesn't matter whether we're in this building, whether we're in the building we left before that, whether we're in the building before we left that, whether we're in the building before we left that, or whether we're in the building before we left that, or the building before we left that, until it gets all the way down to a home that it started in. It doesn't matter. Because the church, really, we're talking about the people. All over the world, the people. When I said the way we do church, mean the way we do each other. The way we do each other in our marriages. But it starts in your own single life. I'm talking today about every single person in this body. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking to the married people. I'm not talking to the single people. I'm not talking to the children. I'm talking to each individual person in here. I don't care whether you're married. I don't care whether you're, uh, how old you are. It starts with you getting this message in your heart. That's where it starts at. If the teenagers in here or the pre-teenagers in here or the young adults in here or the middle-aged adults or the older adults in here, if, you, if, we, don't, if we don't grasp this message, message it's going to affect the way we respond to each other. And it's going to ultimately affect the way that you respond when you get married. It's going to affect the way you respond in your family, in your uh, children relationship, in the parents' children relationship. It's going, to, it's going to affect the way you respond at work. It's going, to, it's going to affect everything. Because this is the heart of what God wants us to know. That I demonstrated my love for you, and I want you to demonstrate your love for me, and the only way you're going to demonstrate your love for me, we started with the second scripture, maybe the third scripture, which was uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 15, said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And the commandments boil down to two things, loving God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, all our strength, and loving our neighbor as ourselves. And if we want to, if we say, that's too much to remember God, then he'll boil it down to one. He's done that too, hasn't he? In Galatians, he boiled down to one, chapter five. He, he boiled down and said, okay, that's, that's too hard for you to remember. Then I'll tell you what you do. Just remember this. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's what he boiled it down to, isn't it? Because if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And his commandments, you, 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 <laughs> His commandment basically is love others. Love others. Because you cannot love others if you don't love him. He knows that. Because he gives us the ability to love others. Doesn't he? There's no way I'm going to love you if he doesn't doesn't give me the strength to love you. No way you're going to love me if he doesn't give you the strength to love me. That's the heart, the foundation of the message. If we were to teach on single life, to start there. We're going to teach on married life. To start there. We're going to teach on how to, how how do how do children respond to their parents. It starts there. How do parents respond to their children? It starts there. Everything starts there, because you got to demonstrate your love for your Savior. Right? That's the message. The foundation of the message today is demonstrate our gratitude. Our gratitude. Our gratitude. It's not just songs that we sing. It's about 
the demonstration of what he's done for us. Thank you for listening to this message from Pastor Taylor and Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.